traders are you guys ready for stock market movers where we get through all the headlines that are out in the market of course catch those stocks that are moving and of i got some great guests like always get ready guys i got another great show for you today let's get into the topics crude oil getting a little bit of rebound but this market takedown right now is not looking good for us new a non-farm payroll we'll take a look at broadcom lululemon uh, Meta and Qualcomm deal, Pin Duo Duo trying to compete with Amazon, Twitter edit button, GM buyout for Buick dealers. Let's dive into today's show. We got a lot to talk about. I also will be joined at 145 by Ann Popkin, president and COO of New Day Impact. We'll get into that interview. That's going to be at 145. Don't miss that. Let's dive into today's show. And like always, guys, let me know if there's a stock that caught your attention today in the markets. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism, and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, let's go ahead. We'll see what's going on out there, and it looks like the battle is on here. Um, uh, I see an exclusive out there from Reuters about Russia's Gazprom set to resume. Nord Stream gas flows as planned, says the source, and that was three hours ago. But who knows really what's going to happen. That might be why you saw UNG take a hard dip down towards the open, and now it's starting to bounce back because really we don't know. We won't know until tomorrow as that reopens, and then we'll take a look at how the flow is. But let's get into it today. You guys are seeing the SPY dropping fast here, and I'm going to show you guys on a 15-minute, and you guys can see it. It is falling fast here. Give me one second, guys. They got someone at the door. The dogs are barking. The dogs are barking here. Give me one second, guys. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to play a little trailer here to get through this uh, little dog the barking here. I think I got someone at my door, and I'll be right back. Sorry about that, guys. Introducing portfolio synchronization with your brokerage. Now you can securely connect your brokerage account to Benzinga Pro, opening a world of personalization. Screen lightning fast news just for the stocks you own. Set alerts for news catalysts that affect only the companies you care about. It's all possible with a simple click and a secure protective connection. Overcome uncertainty and connect your portfolio to Benzinga Pro today. All right, guys, sorry about that. And uh, let's go ahead. Let's get into it here. Had someone visiting the kind of doing some work here on the house. So let's keep going. Let's get into the market here. We're seeing the spy coming down fast here. And a lot of this is kind of more along just showing that we can't hold rallies right now. I mean, a lot of people were seeing this kind of morning rally. And what did this morning rally come off of? We'll talk about it right now. But it looks like it can't hold a rally right now. Um, and so we're going to see what happens from here, but definitely the spy coming down fast here, tried to hold above the 400. I always talk about when you're getting these kind of price actions, looking for that fourth go, right? 
And so you can see here, we get a one push, right? And then we get a little bit of a pullback. It holds support. Second push, it holds support. Third push, it holds support. Then on this last candle here, when you get this fourth try, if you can't get it through there, a lot of times you're going to get a rejection to the support. Now you're getting that rejection to the support and a cut down through it. That's what you don't want to see if you're a bull, right? You don't want to see it come back, take out those pre-market lows like you're doing right now and right back down there towards the 395. All right, let's get into some of these topics. I'm going to go ahead and pull that off. Let's talk about the non-farm roll payrolls coming in here at August for 315,000 versus 300,000 expected. Prior was 526,000. So we're going to see what's going on here. Um, now, the big thing is this leaves room, right? Um, even though the number went down, right, from 526,000 down here towards uh, 315,000, it still leaves room for the Fed to hike, right? I think until you see kind of unemployment really take off, let's say higher than 4%, that's when you're going to start seeing maybe the Fed change a little bit of their tune. But for right now, the job market's still looking really strong. Unemployment came in here at 3.7 versus the 3.5 estimate prior was 3.5. So at least in this case, it was going in the right direction. It's kind of wrong news that you want to hear. Bad news is good news here in this case. And so essentially more unemployment is good because then the Fed would be like, well, we got to take a little bit of a pause period here. But as you guys can see, definitely the SPY battling right back down today. It's danger out there. And we're going to continue to watch what's going on. But it looks like right now the market just doesn't want to hold. I mean, take a look at this daily candle. We had an indecision candle yesterday. It wasn't like it was the biggest bullish sign yesterday. So now we're getting definitely a fight here. If we close back down towards the 390s, that's going to be the real concern because you could just get a leak on out. And I know a lot of investors probably don't want to be long over a long weekend. So it could be something like this also where you're seeing just investors just being like, well, I'm not taking any chances over the weekend and I'm getting out of these positions that pop today. We'll see what happens. Like always, it's definitely a, a tough day with kind of a lot to look at for a long weekend ahead. And there's just still con the concerns, right? Uh, the headwinds on out there. And we're seeing the spy come on down here fast and it's dragging a lot of things. I mean, we'll get into what was hot and what was not in a few seconds, but there were some stocks there even were moving up. And now with this recent downturn in the market, probably going to get dragged down here. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the other topics that we got for today. The next topic that we're going to talk about is, of course, getting into kind of uh, the housing recession talk. I did see some kind of additional information come out today. So let me go ahead and get you guys that. Have it down here. There it is. Housing recession talk out there. So uh, let's go towards some of these home builders. So I've been watching like ITB but you can watch maybe like Lennar. Lennar actually reports uh, pretty soon. Um, I was paying attention to this uh, just to give you guys an exact date. It's uh, reporting on the 19th. And so it's going to report in about two, two weeks, a little bit over two weeks. We'll keep on eyes here on Lennar. What was the news that was given out there, the headlines? The average home price is sold for less than its list price for the first time in over 17 months. So it seems like finally... Houses are finally not going for a premium, but going under the listed price. And so this just shows us the turnaround that we're seeing in the housing market. It's something to keep our eyes on. 
How far down will these house values go? Will they really get a decline? Will they really kind of get into the hurt? That's what we're trying to keep a watch out. And we'll see what happens to these stocks. This is bouncing back a little bit today, Lennar. We'll see if it kind of keeps on the downward path. And also, are we going to get into concerns, right? I mean, yesterday I saw even kind of a Bank of America mention on out there that they were doing kind of a new deal um, with kind of no credit checks, giving first-time buyers an opportunity with no down payment. Things like this a little bit concerning to me. I don't want to see banks take on risky loans right now. That doesn't mean, doesn't make sense for me, at least right now. So Bank of America mentioning this, it wasn't really a positive in my eyes. Yes, you're giving some opportunity to first-time home buyers, but if we're not really focusing on high-quality buyers, then what's probably going to end up happening is these loans just end up going up in smoke and doesn't seem smart to me that Bank of America is trying to do this at this time, right? Maybe when we were in the pandemic and interest rates were really low, so you were giving all these special deals with really low interest, right? But why would the bank not want to do that? Well, because you're, you're, they want to make their money, right? And that's why they want to do it now. They have higher interest rates. They'll be making more money on the loan. That's why they didn't do it when the interest rates were low. So Bank of America trying to sound like they're, you know, really friendly here with these loans. But really, I think these are loans to be concerned about. I don't want to be seeing banks doing this because it's just it's danger. It's danger, danger to be giving people and first time home buyers. We should be checking their credits. We should be requiring a down payment. Um, I know that it's tough to go ahead and buy a home. I've been in that position, haven't taken it yet. But at the same time, I also understand that we want high quality buyers. It's not just that we just want everyone to just go ahead and get a home because what's up happening is the same thing that we had. And of course, the housing crisis, when a lot of people got houses that they probably shouldn't have been in. All right, let's get out of the housing recession talk. You guys in the chat, let me know what you guys think about those deals. Haven't we already lived through that Bank of America? Yeah, I, I would definitely go ahead and, and check that out. But it's not what we want to be seeing right now. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at what else is moving out there. Time to get into what was hot and what was not. Let's go ahead and dive on in and see the sectors and industries that we're moving today. So if we take a look here at energy, energy is leading us up. It's the only sector in the green here from the open because the spies is dragging these sectors down right now. Um, let's go ahead. Let's take a look here. Um, and some of these energy names that we're kind of making leaps on up, right? Some of the high cap names. So ExxonMobil is one that we'll go into right off the bat. This one actually still into the green, but slowly but surely starting to leak here. And a lot of that is the market getting this hard pullback here. Chevron also starting to leak, but was looking really good. It was looking like it wanted to get back through that 159 and then starts to leak here with the market. So we'll see if it's able to catch a bid and get back up there towards the 159. What are some oil news that we need to keep in our minds, right? So today, the G7 finance ministers on Friday agreed on a cap of Russian crude oil prices. What is this cap, right? Well, the cap really is all about trying to cap Russians' oil 
as Western economic powers seek to deplete Russia's war chest, right? That's how they're able to go ahead and continue doing what they're doing right now in Ukraine is because they're able to still sell the oil at maybe not spot price, maybe a little bit of a discount, but at a price that's high enough for them to continue doing their war activities here. And so this is G7's uh, attempt to try to control that energy. And analysts, though, have been highly uh, spectacle about the integrity of the proposal here. And a lot of people are warning that the policy could backfire if key consumers like China and India are not involved. Because if China and India are going to continue to take cheaper oil, of course, from Russia, well, we're not going to be able to stop it, right? Even though the G7 is trying to do this. And so this is what we got to keep on watch. The oil markets right now are very fluid. They're changing, changing. And a lot of this is what's going out there, right? And so one of the things that we also need to keep on watch is on September 5th, right when we come back, you know, after Labor Day, OPEC plus meeting is stated on the 5th. They could cut productions or at least say they're cutting productions. And with that, the price of oil could start to spike. And so we need to keep on watch. Will we get out of this kind of stability area? Right now, it seems like we're kind of between kind of 85 up there to like about 100, maybe into the 90s, kind of in that range. Are we going to break above that 100 price point? That's what oil traders are looking for, at least the bulls to see it kind of spike back up. But we'll see what happens there. It's definitely the concern for inflation also if we do get that spike above 100. All right, so these are the two main things to keep on watch right now. Of course, the OPEC meeting could kind of just flip this around by the time you come back on Tuesday. So we'll see what happens. I don't have any oil names right now, but I was watching, of course, like Oxy on the pullback, which looking for 66 I've been calling around that level. That's where the level I think, you know, you'll start getting Warren to kind of take some shots as we pull back into here. It's going to be looking interesting, especially if we can get down to the 6620. Somewhere between the 6735 and 6620 is where I'll be looking to take my shot in Oxy. As I expect to hear, Warren took the 50% chance. Once he gets this pullback far enough, I know he probably has a good technical analyst. So we got to wait for levels and be patient. All right, let's go. Let's go out there. Nat gas taking a hit today. Of course, I mentioned a little bit about that hertz. I did see a Gazprom uh, kind of news out there that was three hours ago. Um, so if you take a look at it, you know, three hours ago seems to make sense. You know that we had this kind of decline with that news that was out there, but it's still a fluid situation. We don't know if Gazprom is just kind of you know faking that they're going to bring things back, but they're really not. I mean. It's just hard to figure out, and it's a guess here at this point, if it's going to spike or not. And so I'm all out of my UNG trade. You guys know that I was in this for a little while, or you guys could have been probably in boil, but I got out today, took some profits. So I'm not mad about UNG, but it didn't get as high as I wanted it to. And sometimes you got to go ahead and get on out while the getting's good. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at utilities. That's kind of the next leading sector, but it's actually in the red 0.25. This is actually killing a trade that I had right now. I mean, I had a really nice trade on Excel. It was getting up there to 76.50 and now has turned back around towards 75. I'm still watching trades like NEE to see if they're going to get a little bit of a bounce, but this is the SPY just dragging us down. 
And sometimes this is going to happen. It's rotation going against us. The overall market rotation going against us. This is why I pay so much closely attention to the rotations in the market. Because sometimes even though you have a long-term position and it's looking good technically, if the market chooses to go ahead and dump, well, it will say to hell with your pattern, right? To hell with it. We're going to go down because the overall market's just dragging. And that's why correlation to the SPY and correlation to kind of indexes that you're following is important to know, right? How correlated is my stock with the market? If it isn't that correlated, well, then you can kind of kind of leave this move alone. But if it's highly correlated, that can give you the insight that if you're seeing the market come down, sometimes it's okay to run towards those profits. Like always, not financial advice, just educational, just trying to get you guys to understand that sometimes the market's going to rotate against you. And I've learned, at least in the past, that in my trading, what I want to do is sometimes just run to the little profit that I have before that little profit turns into nothing. And if anything, a loser. We'll see what happens. Spy coming down fast here. And it doesn't help when you don't have leadership to kind of keep you up, right? So right now, Amazon is coming down fast. It is up on the day, but slowly but surely getting towards that red. What are some other stocks that are starting to come back down? So you could take a look here. Um, some of our leadership, what's going on? Apple down, Microsoft down, Google down, Amazon slowly but surely getting towards that red. Google, uh, UNH, Meta. Meta looked good today for a nice little push. Got stomped right back down. J&J had a bounce yesterday. Get stomped today. Visa, get stomped. And so this is hard. It's hard. I'll tell you that right now. These are the moves that can definitely kind of eat you up, right? And so let's take a look at what was not hot. What was not hot is right back in technology. Even though you got a bounce, even though you got that bounce in NVIDIA, you were looking for the bounce. It rejects the 140 and right back down here. So definitely getting smacked. It's a tough trade there. Technology just does not want to hold on. In my eyes, this leads me to think that we got to be careful because I have a feeling that traders are not holding on to semiconductors for one reason alone. They're scared of what China is going to retaliate or the kind of answer that they're going to have to the battle that's going on now with chips. This is something to keep an eye out. I'm going to be watching. There still hasn't been the headline answer from China. Of course, if they answer and they're just not worried about it? Well, then we won't be worried about it. But for right now, it's definitely on my concern. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at some other stocks that we're going. But definitely, when your leadership isn't going, it's going to be very hard to kind of catch that bounce and giving us the insight. And there you guys have it. Um, where's Amazon now? I think Amazon just literally cut through. There it is. Now it's into the red. Can't hold on there. Cues. Take a look at the cues. Q's coming down fast there towards 296. And it just doesn't look like these can hold. Tesla heading down there also. It got up there towards the daily, uh, daily support and rejects the daily support coming right back down. So if it cuts through this 270, we could be heading back towards, I would say first stop would be around this 260 and then moving back there towards the 250. We'll see what happens out there. All right, consumer cyclical also getting hit hard. And what got hit the hardest here, you guys can see luxury goods, auto manufacturing, and gambling getting hit hard. Um, so definitely not areas where you're going to be looking for strength. 
specialty retail also turning back down here. Restaurants turning around here and definitely getting hit. Starbucks getting hit. And man, this looks good for and juicy for a little bit of a short, but to each his own, right? If you like Starbucks to the short side, we'll see what happens. All right. So it just doesn't look like we can hold any rallies right now. It seems like, you know, buy the dippers came in yesterday. And as soon as this market got towards that 400, they hit that out. At least that's what it seems like on the chart. Now we're really dragging down back towards 393. What are the concerning levels? Well, the concerning levels through the 390. Yesterday's lows, right? We got the 390.04, 390.28, 390.50, 390.12. So 390 cut down and watch out. You could get some continued downside action. All right, let's get out of what was hot and what was not. Let's start going into some of these uh, earning stocks on the day. Let's go to Broadcom. That's going to be the first one that we're going to talk about. Let's dive on in. That's AVGO. And it was up nice with the earnings. Now look how it's getting hit hard. A lot of this, what? The market turnaround. Let's talk about it. Broadcom EPS at $9.73, beating the $9.56 estimate. Sales at $8.46 billion, beating the $8.37 billion estimate. Broadcom sees Q4 sales at $8.9 to $8.73 billion estimate. Broadcom CEO Hawk Tan says, expect networking segment to be up 30% year over year. Expect server storage connectivity revenue to grow 45% year over year. And also expects the broadband business to grow above 20% year over year. So not bad earnings here. Not a bad report. You can see the confidence in the CEO mentioning these segments and how they're up year over year. But even that couldn't hold on today. And so that shows me more and more concern here in technology, as you're seeing Broadcom give up a lot of these gains. If it goes back into yesterday's close, yesterday's close here was 502. If it cracks that, watch out. You could continue the downside and look where you're at now. Look where this kind of held up there for a second. Where would it hold up? Guys, right by the 502 level. That's where we went sideways here. Now you just cracked it. Watch out. Could keep coming down now. All right, let's go ahead. Let's keep going. Let's get into the next earning stock here, which is going to be Lululemon. Let's go ahead. Let's get into it. Lulu, what are you doing? Well, it was looking good here in the after hours. Now coming back fast towards the 313.80s. We'll see if we catch a bounce there. Let me put it on the 15 minute here. Was looking for that to kind of give us a little bit of support. Let's see what happens here. As Lululemon coming in with a Q2 EPS at $2.20, beating the $1.86 estimate. Sales at $1.9 billion, beating the $1.76 billion estimate. Lulu sees Q3 EPS to $1.90, $1.95 on the high end versus $1.78 estimate. So a raising of the guidance there for the EPS, a raising of the guidance on the EPS for the full year. Also seeing sales at a good level here. Estimated sales here coming in for the full year 22 adjustment at 7.86 on the low end, 7.94 billion on the high end versus 7.69 billion estimated. Comparable sales also increased 23%, giving them definitely a lift here. But even a stock with good earnings, good outlook, can't hold on here. Lululemon pulling back fast here. 
Let's take a look at the hourly chart, see if we kind of see these levels that it's trying to hold. You can see that 313 here. Let's go towards the daily. A little pullback day doesn't look too bad as long as it can kind of hold around here, even a wick a little bit. Um, wouldn't want to see it kind of cut down all the way to 300. Let's see if it holds around here, 310s, 313s, and makes its way back towards the 320s after a small pullback here. Um, I was looking to see if it was really going to get going, but I just couldn't make the move today. And a lot of that, the market kind of get hitting it hard. I draw like on a 15-minute or an hour kind of look down and just draw a trend line. Look for that trend to change, right? Until that trend trains, um, well, the trend's your friend. And right now, the trend is to the downside. So if you're short, you're not looking too bad. But you want it to kind of change that trend right now. All right, catching up with the chat. What are you guys thinking about? I see MRO mentioned in the chat. Definitely selling those rallies. We'll see what's going on out there. What do you think about PDD? Bulls should step up here. Well, not a bad one to take a look at. Um, let's go diving into that really quickly, and then I'll continue with the Meta and Qualcomm deal. All right, let's take a look at PDD. Why is PDD moving? I actually had the news, so I'll skip to it here. I got you. So PDD is moving with this uh, new headline that kind of hit today. Uh, they launched a U.S. online shopping site. The website is called Bimu um, and sells... Uh, items like clothing, jewelry, pet supplies, home garden. And so really what this is, is just a competition here. They're trying to compete with Amazon. That's really what it's all about. Can they really compete with Amazon? I don't think so, but hey, they launched this here in the United States for a reason. It's to get that lift through and you can see it. It's holding up right here. It doesn't look too bad. You know, it looks like it's trying to set on up. Of course, you got to be careful because any China news will turn this right back around. And so that's my concern, right? I'm waiting on China news. I'm waiting on China news from the semiconductor names. And so that's why I can't long like a stock like PDD and feel confident about swinging it overnight. How can you guys do it? I mean, power to you, you know what I mean? Always make your own investment decisions. But for me right here on this perspective, just doesn't look that good here. It looks great on the daily, but the catalyst out there and China catalyst always, they just scare me out of the market. We'll see what happens there. Is it setting on up? Yeah, it's a nice setup. At least if I didn't know the stock, if I didn't know it was a China stock, I'd probably play this break. Of course, what I always look for is kind of that rule of three coming into play here. Up one, down one, up two, down two, up three, down three, create a support there. Give me some solid level to go off of. It could be right off of this 69, 67, or maybe the low here. Uh, yeah, it's right off 69, 67. You want to see that hold and just take off. And so if you wanted to measure the move, maybe, maybe about $7 up from the breakout level. So around the 71, 50s, making a nice move on up $7, probably getting it on up here towards the 80s, 79. We'll see if it makes that push out or not. All right, that's Pinduo launching that U.S. shopping site. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, maybe just look into it, right? Uh, that's what I I have as scared of, or that's what I have been scared of. I understand that. I can't blame you, JD. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's tough to take a China trade in this environment. It's just tough. Like you can do it. Don't get me wrong. You can do it. But the biggest and the most concerning thing for a swing trade 
And a long-term investment is catalyst going against you. And it's catalyst that you can't control, right? It's not that they're going to say something about PDD, but it could be about semiconductors or it could just be about China overall. And then you get the smackdown. All right, we'll see what happened there. Nothing burger on there. It says AJ and who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's a tough one there. The exposure is just too much for me at least. And I can't take it. All right. Uh, I try to, my best not to get into situations where overnight catalysts can really drive me down. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into other areas. Healthcare for a second there. Yesterday, drug manufacturers were trying to hold on. They had a pop yesterday. Look how quickly they gave it up. J&J right back down. Pfizer right back down. Merck right back down. All these kind of just getting their push right back down. It's hard to play these right now. Healthcare is definitely falling off the wagon there. And so I, I'll say, I don't know what's going on there, but it's definitely coming down fast. All right. Now every sector is in the red from the open. So the market just dragging us down here, guys. And that's, that's, that's what you don't want to see, right? I mean, ExxonMobil, even though it was looking good, now right back down here. And so it's tough to kind of play days like this where you do have some things in the green, like energy overall is 1.5 in the green. But if you look here, since the change open, it's actually down 0.22. So this is not what we want to be seeing as we're seeing some stocks just get dragged right now with the market. NVIDIA, are we taking out those lows today? Oof, this doesn't look good here on NVIDIA. It looks like it wants to just crack right back down and start heading right back down to yesterday's lows. All right, let's go into some other headlines out here. We got about a couple of minutes before we get to our interview at 145. Let's keep it going here. I'm going to go ahead and play a quick Benzinga Pro trailer and keep going here. Next conversation we're going to be getting into is about Meta and the Qualcomm deal. And then we'll be talking about Twitter's edit button. Has anyone used it? Let me know in the chat. I'd like to hear what you guys think. I tell all my CEOs, this is a very, very, very important platform. And look, all the other platforms are important too, but you're up there now. You're way up there. Best investments you can do in your future is actually go and, and, and re-educate yourself on, on credible sites, incredible resources like, uh, like Benzinga. You guys have been killing it. The comment section on this show is remarkable. Like, like the quality of the combo and just big shout out to you and your community. So I love about you guys, you know, you just had the, all your callers in right then. And it's all about the community here at Benzinga. All right, traders, let's keep it going here. Let's turn it up a little bit and let's get into Meta and Qualcomm deal. What do you guys think about Meta? We'd like to hear you guys in the chat. Let me know. Are you guys bullish, bearish Meta? Put a one if you're bullish Meta. Put a two if you're bearish Meta moving forward. And what I'm talking about is not more on the intraday today, but more on the daily outlook. Do you think we're getting through this 155? Or are you kind of more on the bull tape and you think we're going to go right back towards the 170 and start pushing back towards 200? Well, let's talk about their deal that they that they can't release today, right? Is this Meta and Qualcomm? Qualcomm, of course, we've been talking to about their Snapdragon chip, and it's just killing it out the water. Everyone wants a part of the Qualcomm Snapdragon. So Meta said, you know what? 
I think we need to kind of work together here, right? And so this is that meta Qualcomm deal here. So the deal is really to develop chipsets for virtual reality products. They signed a multi-year agreement to collaborate on a new era of spatial computing using, of course, Qualcomm's extended reality XR Snapdragon technology. We're working with Qualcomm technology on a customized virtual reality chipsets powered by, of course, the Snapdragon XR platform and technology for our future roadmap of Quest products. That was from Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Meta. They said in a press release. So what does this get me to thinking? Well, it gets me to thinking that here, in this case, Meta is really looking of how can we push the Quest to the next level? So if we're going to push the Quest to the next level, and of course they got the Quest 2 already out there, they're looking at the Quest 3 probably coming out sometime, I would say, uh, in the next year or two. So I'm looking at this, and of course they also have the release of Project Cambria that's going to be released in October, but this doesn't have anything to do with the Qualcomm deal. So one thing that I'm going to be looking at is what can they do here with those Qualcomm chips, right? Can they really step on up by using the Qualcomm? Will that help them not focus on creating a chipset, but focus more on the actual product release and then focusing to get them towards that next level, right? I mean, when you think about it, overall in the VR game, Meta does have a good lead with the Quest 2, but it's not enough yet to really get that massive adoption of the VR headsets. I feel like it's starting to lean over, but still not enough. So this is a story that we need to keep on watch. Will they take it to the next level? Will we really start seeing some really good games coming out of Quest? This is what I think is their next step up. And the reason why they want to be dealing with companies like Qualcomm is because they want to really take the step up in the games. I've heard mentions before on Quest that supposedly we'd get like Fortnite or we'd get maybe like a GTA, Grand Theft Auto coming out of, of the Quest 2 or maybe the Quest 3 coming in the, in the future, right? These are the moves that are really going to take meta to the next level in the metaverse, right? It's not necessarily just having a game that nobody knows. It's when you start getting those big branded names out on the Quest platform, that's when I think you're really going to start seeing Meta take that next step up in the metaverse. We'll see what happens. Like always, I try to keep up with the stories. So if we do start hearing mentions of this, we'll do another deep dive. All right, what's going on out there? Looks like uh, I saw a two. Ooh, some bears in Meta there. Maybe one. All right. Bought my son a Quest 2 for his birthday in July. I played a uh, bar fight, kind of fun. Hey, well, there are some fun games, but what I'm really looking for is that big game, right? Maybe a Call of Duty, a GTA, right? Or maybe it's some better racing games, maybe a Formula One game. We need some kind of really big branded names to really take that step up. Maybe it's Fortnite, right? These types of games are what's going to get it to the next level. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, market still kind of dragging here. Let's take a look here. Are we getting a little bit of a bounce? Yeah, at least a little bit of a bounce here towards the uh, 393s. What a day it's been. What a downturn, too. It just kind of just fell off the tape there after 12 o'clock. I would pay the Quest 2 if, if I could play GTA. 
I agree, AJ. That was really my mentality. I was looking at it, and now I'm, I'm with you. That's what's good. That would lead me over to getting a quest if I could play GTA in a VR format. Hi, Mitch. Does Benzinga option change have change in open interest? Honestly, normally um, Benzinga's option change, we don't have option data on our platform. We're kind of more for news. Um, so if you're looking for that, I would say get a platform that kind of helps you. So not necessarily Benzinga Pro is going to have that option chain, but just look into some platforms out there that can help you. I mean, I, I have one here, TC2000. Uh, this is my charting service, but you guys can see here, I could get uh, kind of like a lot of kind of option information here on this platform. If I wanted to, probably can look for the interest, but hey. To each his own. Find platforms that work for you. That's what I would say. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into some other headlines that are out there. Let's go towards the Twitter edit button. Let me know in the chat, guys. Have you guys used the Twitter edit button? I was wondering, could it get the lift for Twitter? I mean, Twitter is kind of putting a little bit of a bet on this. And how we know that they're putting a little bit of a bet? Well, comments, of course, like them raising the price, right? I mean, Twitter's subscription offering just got a little bit more compelling now they have this edit button you need the subscription you would need that blue subscription that costs about 4.99 a month uh after a recent price increase from 2.99 a month so i feel like they did that price increase because they knew that the edit button would take a little bit more focus a little bit kind of more cost to kind of focus on here so the step up there towards 4.99 a month and finally getting out an edit button could be a big thing. You know, one of the things with the edit button is that you'll at least get some corrections. Of course, traders were out there like, well, as soon as you see a trader change his ideas in the edit button, maybe you want to not follow that trader. But I think this is really interesting because, I mean, who hasn't made a mistake on Twitter? If you're a big uh, Twitter fan and use Twitter on a daily basis, you're always going to make maybe one little misspelling or typing mistake, and you're like, man, just want to edit that. Well, for a little while, that was only done if you had the subscription blue by an undo, and that what it did, it gave you about 30 seconds. Now the edit button will actually allow you to edit your tweet. I think this is going to be beneficial, especially to like, let's say, like us, Benzinga's Twitter, right? Benzinga's Twitter, we're all about trying to get you guys transparent, accurate information. So the biggest thing for us would be is if for any reason we would do a spelling mistake or maybe a decimals mistake, we could replace that immediately and fix it. So I think this is an important thing uh, for especially bigger companies, brands that are out there trying to really focus on being accurate. And also for you know influencers out there, they're really trying to be uh, making sure that they're not making mistakes. So we'll see what happens. Will this really lift Twitter stock? Really, it's just going to be all about the Elon Musk saga. Uh, whatever happens out of that is what's going to be the focus really for Twitter. But I just wanted to bring it in because I thought it was interesting. i catch you guys in the chat. Anyone tried that edit button? I feel like an edit button behind a subscription is just discrimination. Well, it's not like that, Peter. They're not trying to hold you out. What they're trying to do is make you you know, join their subscription service, right? Start getting some revenue for Twitter. I mean, Twitter's been free for so long. $4.99 a month for edit button might seem like a little bit of a reach, but hey, 
to each his own, right? I mean, the 299 seemed a little bit better, but I might even get to 499 because I make my mistakes sometimes too. I mean, we all do, right? All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at the overall market. Did we finally get a real bounce here to actually uh, depend on? It looks like we got at least some bottoming. We'll see what happens there in the 393s. Will it take it out or not? All right, that's going to do it for my headlines today. Like always, guys, we try to get through all the market headlines that are out there and get to the expert opinions that you guys want to hear from. So up next, I'm ready to dive into another story stock, and we're going to do we're going to go into an ETF here. And like always, one of the things that we've always been looking at is where we're going, right? I always talk about it's not about where the puck is, but where the puck is going. Of course, if you guys have been staying up with kind of the climate control, everything that's on out there, one of the biggest things that we hear from, of course, is what? We hear about ESG, right? And ESG uh, ETFs is something that we're starting to hear more and more about. And of course, what do we hear more about from companies is them trying to move towards carbon neutral, right? This is that whole kind of new generational move that we're trying to pay attention and trying to affect global uh, global climate control in the right way here by focusing on emissions that are coming on out. So I'm excited to dive into our interview today. This is going to be, of course, I've talked to you guys a little bit about this. It's going to be with Ann Popkin, president and COO of New Day Impact. And we're going to talk about a new ETF. So let's go ahead. Let's dive on in and bring on our guests. All right, and welcome to the show. I have you on, and I'm excited to talk a little bit about ESG and Ahoy, as we're going to go ahead and call it. <laughs> I don't know if that was Chips Ahoy, but... <laughs> we thought it was a good name. But first of all, I must say that I think I'm going to go out and get my Twitter edit button right now. So thanks. Ah, you. you see, you caught that, right? Oh, I, I don't my, know I'm about you. you. I don't know. I'm always watching you. Yeah, I don't know about you, but... I make a couple of spelling mistakes from time to time. And it's the most frustrating thing is not being able to edit. Right. And so I think we all want to be accurate in what we're saying out there. So who knows? Maybe the yeah, edit absolutely. button really. I can agree with you more. <laughs> that's the only reason why I would probably get the subscription. I mean, you get a, like a longer kind of some more kind of uh, characters to write about. But hey, I want to talk zone. about ESG. So I don't want to be a Twitter salesperson, but I got to tell you, I think they're going to bring more people on. I mean, who doesn't get scared about going on because they might not be able to edit their poor spelling mistakes? I'm with you. All right. So let's go diving into Ahoy. Now, uh, this is the New Day Ocean Health ETF yes. recently launched. So yes. tell us what inspired this ETF and how. what's the mission behind it? Yeah. So first of all, obviously, ESG, um, the first letter in there is about the overall environment. And so one of the we are one of the many things that we are focused on is ocean health people um really are sold on what i was which is a story that the amazon is the lungs of the world now i'm not uh, minimizing the importance of the amazon and certainly don't want to see it cut down but people don't realize how important the ocean is actually in the digestion i like to call it of CO2 and therefore in the climate change 
issue that we're all facing right now as um, one of the um, important issues of humanity today. Um, the ocean actually um, is responsible for digesting um, close to 30 to 40 percent of the carbon um, dioxide that's being um, put into the um, air. Um, and therefore, for us, it was the most important place to start. Um, and so that was the sort of the mission behind starting with Ahoy. We are launching other um, ETFs coming up, but that's why we started with Ocean Health. Um, there is so much importance to it in climate change and other issues, you know, because obviously that leads to drought, that leads to the issue of, um, you know, conservation of the wilderness, that leads to issues of the drought, clean water. So everything starts from there. That's a big ocean and beach type of fan i appreciate you fighting for the oceans and we definitely need them now let's talk about how you guys really screen for different organizations to add to here how how were they chosen for the ahoy atf so we have a two uh sort of a two levels of screens so we okay. start first of all with what we would call a general esg screen that general esg screen is screening across all the elements of ESG we look for. So it's screening out not just for people looking to assist in um, what we would call the ocean health um, theme that we're working for in Ahoy, but also across things like munitions, because we're not looking to put in companies that have armaments, but also it's screening out against uh, companies that we think aren't looking for social justice issues beyond just armaments, but obviously gender, um, racial and um, sexual orientation and handicap um, equality. So obviously we don't want to be taking in companies that might be doing good things in the ocean space, but are actually turning their back on the other important um, initiatives that we have going. Then we do a, a secondary screen, and that is the thematic screen, screen of ocean health. And in there, we're looking for uh, several very important issues, and they are the primary issues affecting the ocean today. The first of those is sustainable fisheries. So what is going on in the um, fishing industries of the um, oceans is critical because it's also those nettings and the manner in which people are fishing the oceans that deal with um, what is you know, hurting whales and other issues of that nature and killing the species there. Also, it's plastics in the ocean. So we're looking at various industries that are either recycling, reducing, or removing plastics in the ocean. And then also the acidic, acidification of the ocean. So the changing um, acidity in the ocean is critical to what's not only killing species, but also changing the um, climate level um, or the movement of animal or species populations around the ocean. So what's different about a Hoy ETF compared to other ESG ETFs? Well, first and foremost is, is just the naming that you gave. Um, Ahoy is a thematic e, um, ETF. Many of the ETFs out there are general ones. So they're going to give um, investors a broad exposure to ESG um, companies, meaning companies that that particular investment manager has selected because they feel that they are either assisting in or not making worse um, issues of the environment or issues of social justice and diversity or governance issues. This is um, the ETFs we're launching um, are in this particular one, very specific, specific to ocean health. Many of the investors are 
uh, believers like us that ocean health is critical to managing the climate change um, issue that we are facing as a humanity um, and a society. So both overall with, throughout the globe, but also here in the United States. Um, and so they're very interested in Ahoy for that reason. Um, and then obviously on top of it is the specific proprietary method of investing that we utilize. Excellent. Now the SEC's recent <laughs> climate control a proposal is putting pressures really on the NASDAQ. Um, you know, this is something that I think everyone needs to kind of keep an eye out for because it's going to force companies really to relieve, re reveal those direct greenhouse gas emissions. And it's something that you've been hearing so many companies try to focus, right? How they're going to get closer to carbon neutral. Now, why do you feel the SEC really started to implement this new proposal? So this is a great uh, question and topic to be discussing um, right now. So first of all, um, I think that um, this is much greater than just the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ has a ESG consulting program that they have um, launched, I don't know the exact date, to provide advice to the companies that are listing on their exchange with regards to how to put forward um, their ESG programs to their investors. So this may have some effect on it in the sense of this is re requiring companies to who list on um, any exchange. It's really anybody who files a 10K to provide certain information with regard to carbon neutrality. Well, specific details with regards to what information they release. But with with um, regards to what could occur, this is much greater than the NASDAQ. This, in our opinion, is, is equivalent to Sarbanes-Oxley in the sense of what it will require um, companies to do with regards to releasing information. Um, this should not only provide that they release information if they're in their 10K with regards to climate effects that they're having, but if there are material effects what I call downstream, whether it's to their suppliers or whether it's to the people that they sell to, they will have to actually identify that. They will have to have these things audited by a third party. So this, this goes directly at the issues of greenwashing that people worry about. Um, and so will this actually bring up the question of will companies stay more private or longer? Um, so I think this could be a a sea change in actually the information given out to people about what companies are doing and cause great or lead to great change in the front and um, with respect to corporations and how they're um, dealing with the issue of carbon emissions. I think it's a great thing. How big is the problem with greenwashing right now? So I think um, greenwashing has multiple effects depending on what what area of ESG you're talking about. I think with respect to the environment and carbon emissions, it's pretty straightforward in the sense that people can talk about one aspect of their business and not their business in totality, right? So if you are a uh, commodities business, regardless of whether it's fossil fuels or gas, but any aspect of it, you can overemphasize that you are making 
changes in a specific area of your business and not talking about it in its totality, meaning you may have a large oil field in one area or a gas pipeline in another area where you're making no changes. And then in fact, that is the largest, most profitable area of your business and the one that is creating the greatest impact on the environment. This will not be able to happen under, under um, this particular um, proposal by the SEC because materiality will have a uh, play in this as well as a third-party audit. When it comes to um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or what is largely under the S um, aspect of ESG, social justice, that is a much more um, difficult um, issue, but also where it's very easy to greenwash because the data isn't standard, right? So people can talk about who they're employing, how they're advancing, and there are so many aspects of the data people need to know about. Are you providing mentoring programs so people advance from the early um, entry job positions up into the boardrooms, up into senior levels of business um, across all of these areas of people who have been disadvantaged? So there you can, as I said, release very small pieces of data and make it seem to investors that you are doing things um, that are greater than actually what you think what is being done. Our company spends a lot of time screening, as you said, to ensure we're getting around that. So this, is, so this is where the issue of greenwashing comes up. Of course, there's nothing like transparency. And I think that, that as we get further and further into transparency is what we all want, um, especially I appreciate you guys and, and uh, the Ocean Health ETF, Ahoy, trying to push forward the transparency because that's what you guys are going for, the different organizations and the select organizations who are actually working towards this initiative. Appreciate you coming on today. Ann Popkin, president and COO of New Day Impact, and we'll definitely have you back on. Thanks for having me as well. And I uh, appreciate it. Of course, Ann. Have a great one. There you guys see it. And something to keep on watch. You know, one of the things is, I think this is something that is definitely in our generation to kind of keep on watch how we keep moving forward and the transparency that's going to be required from public companies moving forward is something that, that we all as investors are going to keep our eyes open to. All right, let's go ahead and start wrapping up here. Let's take a quick peek into the overall market. Are we getting a spy bounce back or not today? Let's see here. Look how we just took out those 393s and are heading, it looks like, towards those 390s. It looked like yesterday's bounce was very, very short-lived here. And we are heading into real extremes here on the oversold for the SPY, which leads us to the room that this could bounce eventually. But for right now, this looks like it's heading down and it's danger, danger right now. Will Robinson, danger. We'll see what happens if the SPY is able to bounce back. Today, it's not been the day. It tried to hold that 400 and it's coming down and it's dragging everything. Even the stocks like that were looking bullish earlier, like XOM, starting to turn around here as we're seeing the market just drag down. That's going to do it for us today. I hope that you guys enjoyed this week and caught all the interviews that we have. We always try to get to the expert opinions to keep you guys in the informational edge. Let's review the topics that we talked about today. Of course, you guys can check these on out. If you're just joining us, scroll back the tape and catch these as we already went through uh, crude oil rebounding. 
and very short-lived there. Non-farm payroll, Broadcom, Lululemon, Meta and the Qualcomm deal, Pinduo trying to compete with Amazon. We talked about it. Twitter's edit button. And I did miss out on one last one that I wanted to talk about. Maybe I'll sneak it in right here. Yeah, we got about a minute or two. I got you guys. Hit it. Give me the thumbs on up, guys, as I give a little bit of overtime. It's GM. This is one topic that I missed earlier. I wanted to give you guys the kind of the headline that was out there. Uh, General Motors is offering Buick uh, dealers here that they don't want to invest in the brand transition exclusively to offer all electric vehicles domestically by 2030. They're offering them buyouts to try to get them to get off, of course, their dealership and then GM take control there um, as they work, of course, to get their sales network set up to try to get towards that, you know, 2030 all electric do you think that this is actually going to happen? I would love to hear what you guys have to say in the chat. Do you think that GM will be able to accomplish by 2030, I mean, eight years from now, where they don't make a single gas-powered vehicle? It'll be definitely interesting to see. We'll see what goes on out there, and it plays into the ESG theme. So we'll see if General Motors is able to kind of actually get towards all electric vehicles uh, I think it's going to be tough, but we'll see what happens there. All right, that's going to do it for me. Like always, you guys can catch me right here on Stock Market Movers. I, of course, do pre-market prep. That's from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. If you need a show to get you ready for your trading day, that's the show you want to check on out. And then, of course, catch me on At The Close with Joe Alconin as we go through the market. I think today is going to be one of those ugly days on At The Close, but come on over. We'll definitely take a look. Like always, we'll have a long weekend. So I'll see you guys back on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And like always, keep working on the skills to make you better. And right here on Stock Market Movers, where we get you all the headlines and, of course, the expert opinions that you guys want to hear from. See you next time. Hit the like.